0: So last week we began a series called God is present in our day-to-day lives. We said that God is not just present in the miraculous. Sometimes we think about God's work as something that he did 2,000 years ago or 3,000 years ago in a distant land, Uh, but God is not limited to the past. He is not limited to the miraculous. He is present in the mundane. When you read your daily morning Bible reading, the prayers that you offer during your commute, the time you spend with the homeless, the meals you have with your family each night, the energy you give to take care of your dad and his nursing home, all of that God is present in. But this week, I want to talk about something that happens in our day-to-day lives, something we call coincidences. Before my wife and I got engaged, we knew we wanted to get married in Austin. This is where I grew up, and so we came to Austin looking for a venue, and we came here to look at this church, uh, and we were really just stunned by the beauty of the sanctuary, and we met this guy named Eddie Sharp right outside of the offices. I don't know if any of you have heard of him. Uh, He was the preacher here for 10 years before I was here. And we started up a conversation, and my mother-in-law, Holly Brown, said to Eddie, uh, without, you know, smiling or joking at all, she said, if you ever retire, you can hire my son-in-law to replace you. And I was, I'm sure I was about to apologize and say, oh, she's just kidding. And then he said well, actually, why don't you come back to my office and we can actually talk about that. And I was like, she was absolutely serious. I definitely want a job. So I came back the next day and we had a conversation. Uh, I talked with Carrie and Gary. Uh, That led to an interview process later on in the year. I had no idea about this church. I had never heard of University Avenue. Uh, I grew up going to Round Rock Church of Christ, which is north of here. I didn't know Eddie personally. I had no connections to this church, and then all of a sudden, I was interviewing here. Uh, Later that year, I got hired, I started working here, and then I got married in this room, and uh, because of all those stunning events, uh, my wife and I love to take a picture in the same pew each year. That was when we got married. That was our first uh, anniversary, and our second, she's expecting a child in that one, and this year, we'll, we'll make sure Evelyn is in the picture, too. Uh, And we just celebrate all of those incredible uh, events. But the question for me that I've thought about ever since then is, you know, were all those events just a series of coincidences? I mean, maybe there's nothing special about us running into Eddie, nothing special about him thinking about retirement just at the right time. I mean, my mother-in-law grew up going to this church. A lot of you know the McLeod's. My in-laws, Holly and Alan, actually got married here, so they suggested it to us as a venue. We both grew up in Churches of Christ, so it's not surprising that my wife and I wanted to get married in one. So maybe all of that happened, all of those events, which seemed special to us, was just a series of coincidences. I bet when you look back at your life, you can think of some very special events, and maybe they just seem too good to be true. Too perfect in their timing. And I think this is one of the most pressing questions we can ask about our lives. Is there any meaning to it at all? Or is it just random, arbitrary, based on chance and probability? And even if we're not the first ones to ask these questions, we're definitely not the first ones to offer answers. There were ancient pagans who thought that life and death were under the control of the fates, three goddess-like creatures who decided when we died. 19th century Americans believed in manifest destiny. Our country was bound and determined to expand west, and it was our responsibility to fulfill that destiny. There's been a recent comeback in astrology which says the position of the stars at your birth predetermines your character your deepest desires, and your personality? Now, you may disagree with any of those answers to those questions, but this is important. Even if you aren't a Christian, even if you're watching online and you have no idea who I am, what this church is about, don't you wonder what your life means. Do we just want these events to be special? Do we just try to impose meaning on them, or is there something deeper at work? in our lives now i personally would love the bible to just have a book that answers all of these questions with 10 ideas or propositions but sometimes the bible answers our questions through stories and the story we read today addresses these questions Now, if you weren't here last week or if this is the first time you're watching online, uh, who we're talking about mostly is Naomi and Ruth. These are two widows who have gone to the land of Israel to look for food. Now, Naomi's daughter-in-law, Ruth, has vowed to be with her, vowed to be faithful to her, to take care of her. And you have to know that in light of this vow... She is putting herself in a very precarious position. She is a widow. She is poor. She is an immigrant going to a new country she's never been to. And this is all for the sake of her mother-in-law. Now, what's interesting is, once they arrive back in Israel, the one who comes up with the plan is not Naomi, the person who's lived there before, who is an Israelite. It's the Moabite woman. It's Ruth. And she says, I'm going to go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain. Now, in modern culture, that sounds a little bit like stealing, right? You can't go to H-E-B at the end of the day and say I'm going to take the leftovers, right? But the Israelites are supposed to live by the Torah, by the law of Moses, and the Torah allows, it specifically commands farmers to leave food for the poor on the edges of their farms. Leviticus says, when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap to the very corners of your field, nor shall you gather the gleanings. Do not go over your vineyard a second time. Don't try and pick up every grape in the vineyard. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. And God says, and by the way, I am the Lord. That's who's telling you what to do. And so Ruth is going to this field hoping that some Israelite farmer she bumps into is willing to live by this law. Now, we know as the readers something that Ruth doesn't know. Naomi actually has a connection here. She could have told Ruth, hey, by the way, when you're going out to the fields, you should definitely uh, look out for a guy named Boaz. Maybe you should ask some people about him, but there's no conversation. It would have been really nice if Naomi had done that, but she doesn't. Of all the farms that Ruth could have gleaned from, she just so happens to glean from a plot owned by a relative of her mother-in-law. And then, as it turns out, that same relative just so happens to arrive in Bethlehem on that same day. I mean, he was out of town, he was taking care of his own business, and then he shows up back in town. And you can tell that this is a righteous man because he blesses his servant's in the field and who catches his eye in the field other than Ruth. Ruth uh, is actually noticed by Boaz. He asks one of his servants about who she works for and the servant says she actually doesn't work for anyone. She's, She's poor. She's here to glean. She's working so hard she gets the attention of Boaz. The overseer also points out her nation of origin. He says she is a Moabite. Apparently everyone knows that Ruth isn't from around these parts. And Boaz knows immediately, he's not a fool, he's not naive, he knows that this woman is not safe. The fact that she's not from around there, the fact that she's poor, the fact that she's a Moabite, the fact that she is a widow, she is in a very vulnerable position and so he goes out of his way to strike up a conversation with her and he offers to protect her he says i have told my men to not lay a hand on you he is proactive in helping her now if you try and picture this whole story from ruth's perspective I'm sure she doesn't want to be noticed. I'm sure she wants to fly under the radar. She does not want anyone to know where she's from, what she's doing. She just wants to be left alone. And so she says, "Uh, why have you noticed me? I mean, you're treating me well, but why have you taken attention to me? And Boaz says, it's not a bad reason, it's a good reason. I have heard a good report about you. You, Ruth, you left your people and your gods for Israel and Yahweh, and you have been kind to your mother-in-law. This is, these are his words. He says, I've been told all about what you've done for your mother-in-law, Naomi, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and you came to live with a people you did not know before. I mean, this description, there couldn't be a higher compliment from Boaz's perspective. This is exactly what Abraham did when God called Abraham to the promised land. Ruth is like a new Abraham being so faithful to Naomi. And so Boaz decides he's going to bless her. He's going to give her extra to make sure she goes home safe and sound. And when Ruth comes back home and she tells Naomi about everything that happened, Naomi's first response is, the Lord bless Boaz. God has not stopped showing kindness to the living and the dead. God has not stopped showing kindness to the living and the dead. Now, let's take a step back and actually see the so-called coincidences of this passage. It just so happens that Ruth goes to Boaz's field and not some other guy's field even when Naomi didn't mention him. It just so happens that Boaz comes back that same day. It just so happens that Boaz notices Ruth. It just so happens that Boaz is a good guy and he's not uh, ruthless to the poor. It just so happens that Boaz hears a good report about Ruth. It just so happens that Boaz is the kind of man who follows the Torah. Oh, and by the way, Naomi says, he is designated as our family or kinsman redeemer. This is someone who has the obligation to help not only you, but also me. Now, why does all of that matter to you in the pew 3,000 years later? It's because this Story shows us the providence of God. Now, I didn't grow up hearing this word. This is kind of a new word to me once I went to seminary. It was something that I started reading in and theologians and, and Bible scholars. And it's, it's just rooted in the same idea that God provides for us. And what this story is showing is that God is providing for Ruth and Naomi. They have perfect timing without planning it. Without their knowledge, they're making really advantageous decisions for themselves. Without planning it, a man who can help these two women actually crosses paths with her. And, and this story, it doesn't use the word Providence. It doesn't list ten ideas or propositions about how God is involved in our lives. But the author is constantly giving us clues that this couldn't have happened without the Lord. Because anytime something special happens, the first thing people think of in this story is the Lord. Right? When Boaz shows up at just the right time, he says, The Lord be with you to his servants. Ruth asks Boaz, Hey, why did you notice me? And he says, I've been told what you've done. May the Lord reward you. When Ruth returns home after this incredible day that they couldn't have planned to be better, Naomi finds out that Boaz is responsible and she says, the Lord bless him. The first thought that occurs to everyone with eyes to see is that Yahweh, the Lord of Israel, the one true God, is behind this story. These are not just coincidences. Now, you may not want me to see it and some of you are pretty far away and you've got a mask on but you might be rolling your eyes right now i get it i mean you might be thinking come on mitch just because two nice people meet in a field doesn't mean that god is behind it my point i think is a lot simpler than that it is that god is free to be covert sometimes god doesn't speak from mount sinai with thunder and lightning sometimes God works behind the scenes. Sometimes he works through our decisions to bring about his plan. He's free to be sneaky and cunning and clever and as unseen as he wants. I once met this uh, Catholic priest named Brother Anthony up in uh, DFW. I went there with a group of other ministers to this retreat house, and he said, and these words have stuck in my mind ever since, he says, coincidence is God's way of being inconspicuous. God isn't to show off. He doesn't always make all of his works so abundantly evident or so abundantly miraculous. Sometimes it's just normal. Which means that his care for us sometimes requires us to look for it. If you look back in your life, if you examine the years you've been on planet Earth, you might be able to see just how often God works under the radar. Think about all the times you've driven through a red light or a stop sign and you haven't gotten in a wreck. Think about some of the good that has happened to you that you can't really fully explain, an undeserved acceptance letter into a college, an and unexpected turn for the better in your prognosis, the sudden check in the mail from an anonymous giver. Think about some of the situations in your life that you wouldn't have chosen, that you would have, wouldn't have ever planned out, but are actually turned out better than your original plan. Ben uh, Stewart, our worship minister, shared this beautiful story with me this week about this idea of providence. In 1763, there was this British man named William Cooper who just was really struggling with depression, and he kind of had this mental breakdown. He was succeeding in life, doing well, and he was approaching examinations, and just had this kind of anxious attack, and he just wanted to end his life. He wanted to be done with living and so he called for someone to take him to the London Bridge and he had very much planned to jump off of the bridge and end his life. But on the way there a London fog had settled down in the city and the cab couldn't take him there. He eventually returned home, he eventually was introduced to another Christian named John Newton who wrote a hymn that some of us may have heard of called Amazing Grace and they actually contributed to a hymn book together, and that was in 1774, and he wrote this song called, God Moves in a Mysterious Way. If you've ever heard someone says, say, God moves in mysterious way, ways, it comes from this song. And I just want to show you some of the lyrics of this song. He says, Deep in unfathomable minds of never-failing skill, God treasures up his bright designs and works his gracious will. Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust him for his grace, because behind a frowning providence, he hides his smiling face. I've just been really struck by those words, especially in preparing for this sermon. Behind a frowning providence, God hides his smiling face. These words are written by a man who was saved by a providential fog at just the right time at just the right place. I shared two weeks ago about our new baby, Evelyn's birth, and uh, I just shared a lot about that that experience and just how challenging it was. We found out a month before Evelyn was born that she was breech, so we went into uh, the, the hospital and did an aversion, which was successful, and it absolutely blew my mind. I watched a doctor turn a baby inside my wife's womb, it was the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. And so we were, we were very excited. You know, if a baby is breached, that can be really scary. And so that was, it seemed like that was corrected and that was worth the experience of it. And then on the day of the birth, Allison labored for 26 hours and made no progress. And so we had to do a C-section any, anyways. And it just, it was so easy for us to think all of that labor, all that whole process of the aversion was just meaningless. It was all this effort wasted. And then, after she was born, we found out that Evelyn had a skin condition. Her skin is very sensitive. And so we actually, we were talking with someone about all this, and we were just feeling so frustrated that, you know, it all ended up in a C-section. And the person who was talking to us said, I mean, I wonder what would have happened to her skin if you didn't have a C-section. I mean, imagine more and more hours of labor and delivery. How would that have affected her delicate skin, and like both of us, it was like our eyes were open. We, we don't want to know what would have happened to her because that was so providential. I mean, just the fact that we had the option to do a c-section was by God's grace. We're so thankful that what could have been very excruciating to our daughter didn't have to happen. There was a surgery, a successful surgery waiting ahead for her. And, and I don't want anyone to walk away from here with a kind of shallow view of providence where if anything happens that you wanted to happen, it was God's doing. Uh, just because something is pleasurable doesn't mean it's providential. But I think a, di- a deeper and richer view of God's providence shows us that we can, we can look back at the events in our lives and we can see how all along the way God is providing gifts and graces to us for our good. And, and of course, we don't always see that in the moment. We, it, you know, in the midst of suffering and pain and difficulty, we aren't like, I can know exactly how God is providential right now. In retrospect, we are able to see what God has done. I just think about Ruth and Boaz. They may not have known exactly what God was up to when they first met. Ruth just might have been thankful that she met this great guy. But looking back on their story years later, remembering their story, telling their story to others, I'm sure they knew just how providential God was. And that's why I just think this this series title is so important. God is present in our day-to-day lives. Even in the things that look on the surface like they're coincidences, I'm sure God is up to something. I think we can see that God is sovereign. He's sovereign over all of human history and he's present in the life of every human being who has ever lived or will live. He's so powerful that he can work all of the different decisions in the world for his ultimate purposes. Every time something special happens in the story of Ruth, the first thought someone has is about the Lord. Boaz just so happens to be the farmer who owns this plot and Boaz just so happens to be a kind of guy who lives by the Torah and Ruth just so happens to be a wonderful and faithful woman who is kind to her mother-in-law and Boaz just so happens to have heard about her character All these things are lining up so perfectly for them, and I'm sure we could do our best to explain away it all. It's all just a coincidence. We're just imposing meaning on it. But my hope is that when we experience something special, when we see something seemingly coincidental, when we want to shrug it off as a chance encounter, we would instead think first of the Lord. That we would say with Naomi, God has not stopped showing kindness to the living and the dead he is still kind to us even in what seems like coincidences let's pray heavenly father we need your holy spirit's help to see your work in our lives We know that you are present in the mundane and in the routine. We know that you are not limited to the miraculous or the spectacular. We know you're not limited to the past. You are here with us today. You are at work in our lives. And sometimes there are chance encounters and serendipitous events and things that we can't explain and timing that seems too good to be true. And I hope that we would be able to discern your providence at work in our lives. That we would know you're up to something. That we would need and receive your Holy Spirit's help. That we would recognize, maybe look back at the decades we've lived and seen just how good you are to us. Even when we don't see it at first, even when we don't realize your overarching plan, that in retrospect we are able to see just how active you are. We know that you aren't a show-off. Sometimes you work in inconspicuous ways. And we thank you for all that work you do, even when we don't know it. We pray all these things through Christ our Lord. Amen.